1: Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
0: Real
2: love is calling listen. Truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you, with every sunrise. God selected the day of Pentecost as a reminder that on this day originally the law was given, but look how many died. And now on this very day, some 1,400, 1,500 years later, after the incident of Moses in Exodus 32, now the Spirit is given on this same feast. And rather than 3,000 dying, about 3,000 get saved. The first evangelical message of the New Testament church and about 3,000 people get saved, get born again, and get filled with God's Spirit. This
1: is Cornerstone Connection, radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Acts. When God gave Moses and the people of Israel the law, many perished. They were not able to keep the law and thus paid for it with their life. Today, Pastor Gary shares the story found in Acts when the Spirit was sent to the believers. Many came to know Jesus on this day because of God's grace for humankind. Both of these events happened on the day of Pentecost. God chose that day for the Spirit to come to be a reminder of the contrast between the old and new law. Thankfully, we are no longer bound by the old law because Jesus died to fulfill God's wrath for sin. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part two of his message in Acts chapter one, twelve through two, three. Up, jump in, your run your new life.
2: Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's inspiration, and Peter makes mention here that David and the the fact is that any other writer of scripture was simply an instrument inspired by the holy spirit to pen these words. He does mention here a qualification for an apostle, and I want you to note this with me because I think this is important for us to note. The qualifications for an apostle, he mentions first one of them here is in uh, verse 22. He says We need to choose someone who, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. One of the qualifications for being an apostle, biblically speaking, is that the individual had to be an eyewitness of the resurrected Lord. Had to be an eyewitness of the resurrected Lord. There is a second qualification for an apostle. I think this is important. I'll clarify why we need to understand this. There's a second qualification of an apostle given to us in the Bible, and I'm going to read it to you. It's out of 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. This is what it says. The things that mark an apostle, signs, wonders, and miracles, were done among you with great perseverance. Listen to that again. The things that mark an apostle are signs, wonders, and miracles that were done among you with great perseverance. The second qualification for an apostle is one who has the gift of miracles. Now, I mention this because there is debate and controversy today as to whether or not there are legitimate apostles still. And you can go to certain churches, and there are certain people who have that title, apostle so-and-so, apostle so-and-so. And I would simply say that if you take the only two qualifications for an apostle in the Bible, that it's pretty unlikely that there are apostles today. The gift of apostleship is different from the office of an apostle. Apostles in the Bible, when we see how apostles work, they had a great heart for starting works, for starting different works of the ministry, and for giving careful oversight to doctrine. Okay, that was basically the office of apostles. Uh, The the gifting of apostleship, some people still have that gifting where they start fresh works of the ministry and they start new things. They just don't continue to oversee it. They hand it off to somebody else and they have a careful care for overseeing doctrine, making sure that, that things are biblically sound. But strictly speaking, the office of an apostle ended with the apostles unless someone can lay claim to having seen the resurrected Lord, and having the gift of miracles. Now this brings up then the question of the Apostle Paul. When you think about the Apostle Paul, he qualifies, but it's why he says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 8, I am an apostle, though as one abnormally born. That's the way he said it. Because did he see the resurrected Lord? He did see the resurrected Lord. On the road to Damascus, he saw the resurrected Lord. And does the Bible bear out that Paul had the gift of miracles? It does. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. So we see him functioning in these two ways. But strictly speaking today, unless someone can lay claim to these two things, the office of apostle is non-existent. Again, unless they can lay claim to these two things. The gifting of apostleship... Still some people can have that gifting of planning new works, handing them off, and maintaining doctrinal integrity over certain works. But... But I mention that so that we can understand, you know, roles, pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists. I mean, some of this is a little confusing even today. So those are the two basic definitions that the Bible gives for apostles. Now we get to the merits. Is this something that Peter really should have done when he stands up here and says, you know what, we need to replace Judas. There's a lot of debate about this. Was it right or was it wrong? Let's see, first of all, who they choose. Verse 23 says, So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. And then they prayed, so that's good. Lord, you know every, everyone's heart, show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. <laughs> that's a nice way <laughs> of saying hell. And then it says, now here's the strange verse, and then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. You know, when I, when, when I first read this chapter, you know, many, many years ago as a young believer, I'm like, all right, I'm tracking with this. All right, so they got to replace Judas. Okay, he's quoting Scripture. Okay, Psalm this, Psalm that. All right, great. Oh, now they're praying. That looks pretty spiritual. Wait a minute. Now they're just throwing dice? What? Wait, they're going to choose an apostle, this important role here, by <laughs> Yahtzee? You know, is that the way we're doing things? So this looks a little strange here. Now, you can mark that in the, in the margin of your Bible. Proverbs 16, 33, And I'll just read it to you real quickly because it's, it is an interesting verse. Proverbs 16 and verse 33. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Pre- giving of the Holy Spirit, okay? Holy Spirit doesn't come upon them until chapter 2. So, okay, so in chapter 1, they're still living without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Pre-Holy Spirit, casting of the lots was a way that God could reveal His will. Now, I say... Free Holy Spirit, okay, because we have the Holy Spirit now. Don't go home and start rolling dice as to whether or not you should date that guy, all right? Don't do that. Don't go home like, should I date him, Lord? Okay, give me Lucky 7. Yeah, don't do that, all right? Because now we have the Holy Spirit. I had a lady come up to me years ago, and she said, you know what? We were visiting Cornerstone. We enjoy visiting Cornerstone. We're visiting some other churches. I said, that's great. You know, pray about where God wants you to be. She goes, yeah, well, we're just going to go home, and we're going to throw some dice on it. And I thought she was kidding. And I said, what do you, well, yeah, that's funny. What do, you, what do you mean? She goes, no, no, literally. We're going to go home, and we're going to keep rolling until we get number seven. We're going to, like, put out the names of the churches that we've been visiting, and then we're going to roll on this paper and then roll on that paper. And the first time we get seven, that's, that's the church we're going to. I said, man, let me just tell you something. Uh, after, if you choose to come to Cornerstone in that way, you're going to end up rolling the dice a little bit later and deciding God wants you to move on. I said, you don't, you're not supposed to make decisions now by rolling the dice. That went out in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2, we have the Holy Spirit now. We can have some direct guidance from God. So don't go home and start rolling the dice on this. But it was an acceptable means. I have to trust that they're praying. You know, they, they submit two candidates here. The, this one guy's got like three names, Joseph Barsabbas, also known as Justice. Okay, we're going to get that guy, and we're going to get Matthias. Now, then they start to pray, Lord... Which one should we choose? And they cast the lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven. So here's the debate. Was he really the one to be chosen? And the argument as to maybe he should not have been chosen goes like this. You never see him mentioned again in the Bible. You never even see him mentioned again in church history. This guy doesn't get another mention outside of this it seems that the apostle who is really to be chosen is the apostle Paul. Now, Paul, whose given name was Saul, will have his conversion experience in Acts chapter 9, which is about four years from this story right here in Acts 1. And then the Bible tells us that Paul will go away three years to Arabia, and then he's going to spend about eight years in Tarsus, And so you add it all up and Paul doesn't really come onto the scene as an apostle until about 15 years after Acts chapter 1. So was he the one maybe who should have been selected instead of Matthias because Matthias doesn't ever show up again in the Bible? Uh, But the fact is that besides Peter, James, and John, none of the other apostles end up getting another mention in the Bible. So... I'm not sure you can make the argument that just because Matthias doesn't show up that maybe he wasn't selected. It seems that if nothing else, it's necessary to replace Judas just so that that emptiness won't be hanging over their heads. I don't know, quite honestly, if this was the direct will of God or not. Um, But I don't think it's something that we can easily answer, and I don't think that it's something that we should dismiss either as being unnecessary the challenge, a, there is a challenging thing, though, and that is in Revelation chapter 21, verse 14. It talks about the New Jerusalem. In Revelation 21, 14, it says that the walls had 12 layers, and on each layer, on each level, was written one of the names of the apostles. So there's 12 levels on the wall, and each level had a name of the apostles. So now the question everybody's agreed Judas isn't on that list, okay? Everybody's agreed you're not going to get to heaven and say, oh, Judas, he made it on the wall. Wow, that's incredible. No, he's not going to be on the list. But then it becomes, is it Paul or Matthias? Whose name is going to be on the 12? So, you know, God will figure all that out. I don't know. I personally, this is just Gary talking, I personally question whether Matthias should have been chosen. I question it. I think that in Revelation 21, 14, I think Paul's name is going to be on the wall. Maybe not Matthias, but, you know... (laughs) Who knows? It's not a big deal. Let's move on to chapter 2, and let's look at least at the first four verses before we run out of time tonight. I'm going to read down through verse 13, and we'll take a look at least at the first four verses. But here's verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues amazed and perplexed they asked one another what does this mean and some however made fun of them and said they have had too much wine so here they are prayer meeting upper room 120 they've selected Matthias that's done they go back to praying it's the day of Pentecost now we got to get a little history on Pentecost so we understand what is happening here because God selected this day for the outpouring of his spirit with something specific in mind Whenever you hear about the day of Pentecost in reference to Acts chapter 2, don't think this is the first time Pentecost ever happened. Pentecost had been an ongoing feast that the Jews have been celebrating for hundreds of years. In fact, by this point, well over a thousand years they'd been celebrating Pentecost. So, first of all, a little bit of background. Pentecost, the word, is from a Greek word, Day, which means 50th. And that is because this feast fell 50 days after the Sabbath following Passover. Now, the day after the Sabbath following Passover was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Okay? Jesus was crucified, dead, buried. We know he rose on the first day of the week. That's Sunday. Sunday's the first day after the Sabbath, Saturday. So if Jesus rose on the first day when you count the 50 days to the Feast of Pentecost, and he was on earth for 40 days... That's how we come up with the difference. Ten days is how long. So he ascends on the 40th day. He says, you all wait. They don't know the Holy Spirit's going to fall on Pentecost. We have the advantage of knowing when the Holy Spirit fell. The Holy Spirit falls on Pentecost, which is 50 days from the day that Jesus rose from the dead. He was here for 40 days. He ascends, so they wait 10 days. You're smart people, right? 10. 50 minus 40. Is everybody on board? All right. So they wait 10 days. On this 10th day... They're just praying like any other normal day. They don't know when it's going to happen. They don't know what's going to happen. And on this day of Pentecost, it happens to fall on this particular feast on the Jewish calendar. In Hebrew, it is pronounced Ha-Shavuot, and it translates Feast of Weeks in Hebrew because they counted off seven full weeks plus a day. So that's the feast in mind. Now, why were they practicing the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Shavuot to begin with? So that we understand the historical significance, there were two reasons to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. One was to commemorate the new grain harvest, which was wheat. The feast that preceded this was the Feast of fruits, and they would gather the first part of the barley harvest, and they would take it to the temple, and they would wave sheaves of the grain, and they would celebrate the new spring uh, season of grain, and the first the harvest was barley. Now it's 50 days later, and it's the beginning of the wheat harvest. So they celebrated by taking a wave offering to the temple of God, which were two loaves of bread made with yeast. Hold that in mind. We'll come back to it. But the other purpose of Pentecost was to commemorate the giving of the law. So I wrote you the scripture verses there because Leviticus 23 talks about the purpose of commencing the uh, the grain harvest of wheat but in exodus chapter 34 it talks about the original intent was to also commemorate the giving of the law when moses gave the ten commandments to the people of israel god said part of pentecost is to celebrate and remember to commemorate the giving of the law now i want you to understand some parallels here because this is important You'll remember that when Moses gave the Ten Commandments to the people, he goes up on Mount Sinai, God meets him there, and God, with the finger of God, inscribes on tablets of stone the Ten Commandments. And as Moses is up on Mount Sinai, receiving the Ten Commandments, what are the people doing down in the valley? The Bible says they're indulging in revelry. They They make a golden calf, and they fashion this idol and they are indulging in revelry and the and the Hebrew connotation is sexual immorality and idolatry in the worship of this golden calf. Moses is so long coming down, they decide we're going to make a golden calf, we're going to worship this golden moo god instead of waiting for Moses and the true god, okay? So they're worshiping moo god and the Lord sees all this, all right? Nothing is hidden before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And so he says to Moses, and it's interesting in the language in Exodus chapter 32, he says to Moses you need to get off the mountain because your people, your people are indulging in revelry. And there's this momentary momentary kind of disowning of the people of Israel. You need to get down the mountain because your people are indulging in revelry. Moses climbs down off the mountain, and he, and he can't believe what he sees. The people are dancing and worshiping around this golden calf. And Moses does something, and it's recorded in Exodus chapter uh, 32 where he stands to the entrance of the camp and he raises his voice and he says, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And the Bible says that of the 12 tribes of Israel, what is the tribe that rallies to Moses? Anybody remember? The tribe of Levi. The tribe of Levi rallies to Moses. They separate themselves from their brothers and sisters who are indulging in revelry and immorality, and they rally around Moses. And Moses turns to them in Exodus 32, and in verse 28. He, well, in previous verses, he says, "Strap a sword onto your side and go through the camp and start killing your brothers. It's the judgment of God." And in Exodus 32, verse 28, it says, "On that day, about three thousand died." Now, look here in Acts chapter 2. I want you to jump ahead because I want you to see this. We're going to have to come back next week to all of what the baptism means and the gift of tongues and all of this, but I want you to notice the significance of the day. In Acts 2, jump to verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? He replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation, those who accepted His message, were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Your attention. Notice. On the original celebration for Pentecost, it was the giving of the law. The giving of the law. And when the law was given, the lawbreakers died. And how many? About 3,000. On the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit is given... About how many get saved? 3,000. The law is given. We can't measure up to the law, and we die. The Spirit is given, and by the help and grace of the Spirit, we are redeemed, and we live. About 3,000 die. About 3,000 get saved. There's this incredible contrast of these events, but God selected the day of Pentecost as a reminder that on this day originally the law was given, but look how many died. And now on this very day, some 1,400, 1,500 years later after the incident of Moses in Exodus 32, now the Spirit is given on this same feast, and rather than 3,000 dying, about 3,000 get saved. The first evangelical message of the New Testament church and about 3,000 people get saved, get born again, and get filled with God's Spirit. So a great contrast here between these two days, but it is a day that the Jews had celebrated for hundreds of years, but now it takes on fresh meaning. And then check this out. When originally in the Old Testament they honored the Lord on the Feast of Pentecost, on Shavuot, they would take two loaves of bread made with Yeast. And they would wave the loaves of bread before the Lord to honor him with the first of the grain of the harvest of wheat. Now, it's very interesting because all the other feasts are without yeast. And yeast in the Bible is a type of or a picture of sin. God says on Pentecost, I want you to include the yeast. When you honor me with the harvest of the wheat, because when we look here in Acts chapter 2, who is it that God accepts on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2? Sinners. Sinners. Make your celebration with bread, with yeast, a type of sin, because there shall be a great day in Acts 2 when I will accept sinners as the offering and sacrifice of praise
1: There's much more to glean from the pages of Acts and the history of the early church. But we'll pause our journey through it for today. Join us next time as Pastor Gary continues to share the the power of the Holy Spirit with us. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, Pastor Gary, or the church these messages originate from, we encourage you to visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. Browse through our archive of previous messages while you're there. And feel free to share them with friends and family. Download our mobile app as well to keep God's Word with you as you go about your daily activities. Pastor Gary has also made available a study guide to accompany his series, In Acts. You can find this digital booklet and companion resources under the teachings tab. Do you live in the Leesburg area or will you be visiting in the near future? If so, we'd like to extend an invitation to join us for our weekly gatherings. We meet each Sunday and Wednesday to spend time in prayer and worship and studying the Bible. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc for service times, more information and directions. If you can't join us in person, don't worry. We live stream our services. Just click the link under the teachings tab. Thanks for joining us today. And be sure to tune in again for another edition of Cornerstone Connection.
0: They say
2: you're a wandering soul. That you've got no place to go. But still you know. But still you know. You're not alone.